Welcome to The Longest Road with yours truly, Josh Williams. This isn't your average sports show. No, this is a sports storytelling show. Growing up as a kid, my grandfather would share stories upon stories of these larger-than-life sports figures. Stories of interactions with Muhammad Ali and Elvis Presley, watching Barry Sanders and Walter Payton in person, and even seeing Dick Buckus hit someone so hard that he killed a man. I was enamored. His best friend, neighbor, was a former NFL player who took my grandfather to NFL alumni events where these moments and stories became lessons that these larger-than-life figures are people too. He once told me that instead of asking for an autograph, to ask them a question. Now these questions are the bridge from larger-than-life to everyday you and I. And just like my grandfather did with me, I want to share these stories with you. Ladies and gentlemen, the journey starts now. Welcome to The Longest Road. I'm joined by NFL and CFL free agent and current Arena League defensive back, Dr. Andrew Roach Sr. How are you doing, sir? I'm doing well, man. It's a blessing to be here with you today. Man, it is a blessing indeed. And the fact that the random chance of how you and I came across each other on uh, the social media world, I mean, I, I still can't even remember how that actually, the follow ended up happening. But the content that you were putting out there, the message that you were putting out there, resonated with me so much that I would have been a fool not to reach out to you and ask if you would want to do something like this. So I'm very happy that you decided to to take me up on this, and and here we are at the beginning phase. Yes, sir. I mean, it was a blessing. Like I said, um, it's kind of crazy how it happened, very unexpected. Um, and it was just at the moment when you first contacted me, um, on Twitter, it was kind of just a blessing, and I was just, like, kind of thrown off that you actually found it to be very impactful in what I was saying. And, you know, I just always want to shine a light, you know, on on on, on life and um, just inspire others to, you know, do much more than what they really can. And action has pretty much been the whole premise. I mean, you and I had a conversation about, uh, it was about almost over an hour conversation on the phone the first time we talked um, a couple of weeks ago. And, and in that moment there, you could see that even the words that you're putting out there on social media, they're not just words. These are actionable words that you live by every single day. And on this part one of, of this two-part series here that we're doing, we're going to find out just about how that person came to be in this, in this early stage of Andrew Roach. And I think you were telling me a little bit about some of the, the family background that you have, but... I will leave the words for you, my friend. Yeah, I mean, I'll elaborate, you know, more on, on my background and my upbringing. Um, I come from, you know, a two-parent household. Both my parents, you know, did 21 years in the military. So very structured, um, <laughs> definitely very, uh, I would say, hard-nosed, hard-working kind of kind of upbringing. And, you know, I was blessed to have the opportunity to move a couple times um, during their service in the military. And then... Um, I spent most of my childhood in Maryland. Um, I went to Arundel Senior High School. It's about central Maryland. Um, it's good football out there and stuff like that. Um, and like I said, from there, I, you know, I was blessed enough to, to have opportunities to go on and play college football. So, uh, I mean, it's definitely a blessing. Football has taken me a lot of places. My parents, um, definitely my mom and the upbringing and stuff that she's instilled in me has definitely um, pushed me to be where I'm at today. That's it. And that, hopefully you didn't grow up a, a Terps fan, though, huh? No, 
Okay, Absolutely good man. Not. We, we didn't even watch Terps because I like I probably went to one Terps game my entire time. So. <laughs> and it's right in your backyard. <laughs> yeah, no, no offense to the Terps. I always love the home team and stuff. I want them to do well. Um, but yeah, nah. Not at all. And on a serious note, uh, Andrew, appreciation to both of your parents who uh, definitely did put that time and service into the country and um, and obviously served as a ideal role model for you um, in just certain aspects of learning how to keep that nose down and work hard, right? And you're going to tell yeah. us all about this. I'm excited for our listeners to hear this. I know what's coming. You don't yet, but this story is going to be amazing. I'll let you continue. Um, so I mean, I'll, I'll go back to high school. Um Coming up, you know, I transferred to Orlando after my my first uh, marketing period. I went to Mead High School, which is where my two other siblings went. I was on Fort Mead. Um, at the time, like I said, my parents were retiring, so I ended up transferring out to a different school. Um, kind of, I started on varsity um, as a sophomore and just kind of just worked my way down. Like I said, um, come from a hard-nosed background, you just work. And then kind of my junior year, um, things started to pick up a lot as far as recruiting goes. Um, I was going to camps and I went to pitch camp. Um, and I was pulling in, you know, division one offer St. Francis, uh, Pennsylvania, which is a one double was the first team to offer me. Um, and I was getting involved in a lot of stuff. Like life started to pick up a lot. Like I said, it was my, at that time it was my second year. I just finished my second year starting varsity. So things were going well. Um, and so when you're about started, 15, 16 at the time. I was about, yeah. 15, 16. Going on 16 um, that summer. So, like I said, things started to pick up. But at the time, I was doing um, travel 707 with, you know, a couple of my teammates and stuff, which is obviously it's popular now. It wasn't necessarily that popular back then. So it was definitely something to get more exposure. And, and for the folks yeah, at actually, home who are listening about the 7-on-7, seven 7-on-7 seven, seven seven is really primarily for a lot of the specialists, wide receivers, quarterbacks, DBs, cornerbacks, safeties, linebackers. Sometimes they throw those guys in there. But you get the idea for your skill positions in competition that's a 7-on-7, seven seven, literally just what it says, 7-on-7. Seven seven. And they're like showcases now. So basketball does something similar to this, but it, they do the whole team. But this is football's skilled position, real showcase here. And they do them all over the country. Yeah, I mean, like I said, they've, they've picked up, I mean, tremendously. It's a it's a part of the game now. Um, it keeps football, you know, all year round. Given that it's a contact sport, it allows it to be all year round. Um, and at the time, like I said, it was great exposure. Uh, we would travel. I know we had an event at the uh, Steelers practice field and other schools in the area over there. And then, you know, we had an event at the Philadelphia Eagles um, practice facility, the Novacare. Uh, facility, I believe. And, you know, we're doing well and stuff. And as, as a tournament, usually tournaments go on for about a weekend. So, you know, we make it to the game before the championship. And we're going against David Sills, who's the number one quarterback in the nation at the time. He got offered, you know, by USD in the seventh grade, you know, all this other stuff. Great story, great kid. Um, and so we get to the, the game before the championship. And, you know, for for me, um, being a young kid, like never really having any injuries or going through really adversity, it was probably the, the first moment in my life where adversity struck. Really? Um, it was probably about in the first quarter of the game. Um, I just caught a pick before that, um, like the second drive of the game, I believe. So I caught a pick. So 
so I'm, I'm kind of heating up. I'm getting in the, the flow of the game and stuff. And then I go to, to break on a steam ball, like, down the middle. And me and one of my teammates run into each other. Um, Just head-head collision, I, or is it, like, your legs? You know, because sometimes it, when you, you guys got guys there, you guys' legs get tangled up, and, and unfortunately someone gets hurt there, but... Uh, how did that whole collision happen? Was it was it SmackDown style WWE? It was. I mean, it was my face to his shoulder. Um, obviously, actually, you know, you try to torque your body at yeah, the last yeah. second to to you know minimize the blow. But um, at that time, I, I hit the ground, and I remember he he came over to me after the play, and he's like, he's like, Drew, you got to get up. It's like, like, come on, you got to get up. And and I looked at him, and I was like, I can't move. Like, I can't feel, you know, my body from my neck down. And wow. my mom and brother, they were, they were there as well at the event. Um, like I said, like... I can't imagine how scary uh, that is. Yeah, you... I mean, you never know when adversity hits or when... I mean, something traumatic, that's, you know, that's what it was for me, uh, will hit. And, like, it kind of just happens, and you never see it coming. And, like I said, for me, I, I didn't see it coming, given the fact of, you know, everything going in the game and stuff. And I remember, you know, telling him, like, I couldn't move. I couldn't move. And, you know, for, for probably about the first 15 seconds, everybody was kind of, you know, didn't know what was going on. But then they started to realize how serious the situation was. Um, I remember at the time, like I said, my mom came on the field and, and like my mom, like I said, you know, being in the military, stuff like that, taught her mental toughness and, you know, always persevere and stuff like that. So, so growing up, my mom was always like that. Um, she never really showed emotion. She never really showed weakness or anything like that. Um, maybe behind closed doors, but obviously not in front of me and my siblings. And in that moment, that was the first time I ever seen my mom cry. How did that feel? I mean, I'm not to play Dr. Phil here or anything like that, but I mean, honestly, I mean, that's a moment in a kid's life. I mean, I think everybody remembers the first time you ever see your parent cry, right? And uh, it usually kind of sticks with you in some type of way. Um, I mean, to be you know 100% honest, I, I don't know how it felt. Um, I, I really don't know how it felt because... I mean, us, you know, us as athletes all the time, we always feel that, you know, we're indestructible and, you know, things can't happen to us, you know. For me, like, I usually, usually when I tell the story, I'm never, like, really emotional about it. Um, but because cause looking back on it, I don't, like, people always ask me, like, how, you know, how do you handle it? I didn't. Like, I remember just looking up and, you know, I remember my word. I was raised upon, you know, the word. Um, I was raised in the church because, like I said, my mom was very diligent in that. And I all I could think about was Romans 418. And it said, you know, Abraham dared to trust in God to do only God could do. And in that moment, I could just, I was just telling myself, like, God, I know your word, word for word. And... I I know this isn't the end. 
because I was the embodiment and that situation was the embodiment of me being hopeless. Usually people, you know, don't, don't recover from that or it's permanent or whatever else. So in that moment was the first time where you never truly really had control of anything. For me, I just, I knew that wasn't the end. Um, and that's kind of really, I guess, the story of myself um, from start to finish is, you know, just just persevering and knowing that God's, you know, more in store for you. Um, whether no matter how high you get in life on accomplishments or no, no matter how low you get on adversity, um, they both come with the nature and the territory. So you just got to know that, that God still has more in store for you, and not just for you, but for what you're going to do for other people, you know? Um I always believe in you have to live for others. And I'm not saying, like, you're obligated, but I'm saying we have to, you find purpose in that. Like, just like me being here with you today, you know, I hope that, you know, somebody, no matter their situation in life, can find purpose in this and, you know, know that they can go another step, knowing that that adversity that they're going through isn't the end of them. But they have to solely believe that within themselves. And I think that's the premise there. I mean, because at 15, 16 years old at that time, you had to. I mean, you, you weren't given a choice at that point. But it almost seems like it was just a, the natural choice for you was to believe to fight the other day and the next day and the day after that one. And I, I largely and in part believe that uh, that's not only God there, but that's that's the family route that you got there behind you as well, which, I mean, I, I can't say enough of a, a tremendous respect for both of your parents. And, and I even told you this a couple of weeks ago when we were talking on the phone. A heck of a job of the way they did with you. Um, they should be very proud. Um, but more is, more impressive is this perseverance. Is this, And it's almost blind in a way. Because at that moment, you don't know how bad it is. You don't know everything that you're going to have to go through. The only thing you know is that there's going to be a fight. And you're going to need everything that you got to commit to this fight. Yeah. Um, I mean, you, you hit the, the nail on the head with that one. Um, just knowing that it's a fight. And... Like I said, like, you're never getting too high or too low. Um, one of the best pieces of advice I ever got with football and obviously translates to life was my high school defensive coordinator, and he was just like, you have to stay even kill. You have to find that balance, you know? Because um, obviously, you know, being a young guy starting varsity is kind of... That's know, tough. It's intimidating, too. Play. Yeah. <laughs> you know, you get high when you make a play, and then, like, you make a bad play and you get low, but, like, he's like, you know, you just got to find an even kill for yourself. So I know for me, it's, you know, it's never being overreactive or um, taking one moment bigger than what it is. So, but in that moment, like I said, like I just, you know, I trusted God. Um, they they took me to the local Philadelphia hospital. And, you know, I was in Philadelphia for about four days. Um, it took about three days for me to gain like feeling back, uh, my like I started again feeling back in my legs first, and then you know obviously it went throughout my upper body and stuff. Um, and I mean, yeah, I mean, even that summer, like training for football, I would have like, you know, nerve, like nerve, um, not damage, but like you know, pins and needles as far as like down my arms and stuff like that. And it was a constant reminder, you know, of truly of the work that God did, you know. Um, knowing that it wasn't by my strength or anything like that, but knowing that, you know, by his grace, you know, that I was healed at that moment. 
And so, like I said, like, I went into my senior year and stuff, uh, went on continuously, persevered, and I was blessed with opportunities. Um, from there, I ended up going to East Coast Prep for a semester. Um, it was amazing. I met uh, probably one of the most impactful coaches in my entire career at this point, um, Coach Dana Nancy. And I know we still talk to this day. We have a great relationship. But we went on from there. And then from there, I was blessed, you know, with the opportunity um, I got offered by Purdue. Um, I got offered by Sacred Heart. I remember at the time I chose Sacred Heart because, for one, I wanted to stay. Like I said, for me, I'm a homebody. I'm, you know, family first, and you know, I wanted to stay close to my little brother and stuff because he was still at home in Maryland and he was about to go into his high school years. Um, and also Purdue, I would have to take my official after the winter break. So I was just like, you know what, I'm gonna go mid year, like mid year, with the Sacred Heart. Um, but the reason why I said earlier is you can't take a co- uh, accomplishment and adversity too high or too low because it's what, what we often forget in life is like life's a marathon. It's it's not a sprint. Um, I love that you God said cared, that. And I mean, God carries you from one victory to the next. You know, his work is never done in your life um, and he has the final say for everything. And so, my freshman year at Sacred Heart, um, I'm doing well and stuff like that. You know, going through the normal freshman thing, especially being mid-year. Uh, you're the youngest guy out there and stuff. So it's about even the freshmen that came in the year before, they're already kind of acclimated for a semester. So you kind of just gotta go with the flow. Right, um, right. That's a lot of catch up at so, that point. Yeah, absolutely. And you know, you're just trying to just do your best every single day and stuff like that. Um. But for for me, that was probably one of the the biggest moments for me is because that year, it was actually a blessing and a lesson. So that year, uh, I met my son's mom. Yeah, let's talk about this a little more. Let's let's dig deeper. This is a big year. Let's let's make sure we take our time with it and go deep into it. So absolutely, let's let's explain how big of a year this was. And uh, wow, it, it was it was tremendous. Um, I never I never believe in. Um, honoring or celebrating, you know, adversity, but adversity in some some way, shape, or form, it propels you into, you know, the person that you're, you know, going to become or destined to become. And so freshman year, you know, I'm going to take a heart. Other than, you know, obviously being paralyzed, I know that, that doesn't sound right <laughs> to most people, but other than that, you know, I never had any injuries in my entire life. So, I was, you know, I was blessed up until that point. And then my freshman year. I Wait, not a single ball. Oh, time out, time out. You, you're telling me that all this time, you was a young ankle, guy. Not, Never, nothing. 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 Not, what not are you, what's in the water out there in Maryland? Nothing. Yeah, nothing. Playing football, all that stuff. Nothing. I mean, other than a bruise, but, you know. And then he almost nothing, gets paralyzed. So. I think you're bionic at this point. I know. I don't want to jinx you, my guy. Oh, I better knock on wood. I'm so sorry for that. <laughs> no, I mean, like I said, it's um, it's crazy, and that's you know one of the things for me. It was like really, you know, just it was a shock. It was a shock to my system, to my life. You know what I mean? Yeah, it sticks with you. And so freshman year, it's like it's about week three of the season. Um, I tear my ACL. No, just like no, uh, it was like a back shoulder fade. A plant just tear my ACL. Oh, and. 
I mean, like I said, like me personally being like so so mentally distraught from that because you know, and and I speak with so much confidence with being paralyzed because like like I said before earlier, it wasn't my doing. I know it was only by the grace of God that like I'm even here today. You know, I'm able to go outside, you know, and train, or I'm able to go outside and play with my son and stuff like that. Amen, brother. You know, so. I know it was only by his grace, but that was, but me tearing my ACL was the first time in my life I was truly handicapped. I couldn't do the thing that I loved. You know what I mean? And how long were you, how long were you paralyzed for? Or partially three days. Wow. Yeah. Three days. Um, I stayed in the hospital in Philadelphia for four. Um, it was was about three days that I was up there and they were, you know, running all kinds of tests and all sorts of stuff. Um, which, like I said, I mean, at that moment in life, um, I guess when all hope truly is gone, um, and your life could be changed forever. You know, you didn't even, like, looking back at it, 15, 16 wasn't, wasn't nothing. You know, at the time, like, you're like, man, I'm, you know, 16, I know what I'm doing in life. You don't. You know, you haven't even really lived yet. And my life could have been changed for forever. Forever. Unbelievable you know? ever. And so freshman year, like I said, freshman year in college, tearing my ACL it was the first time where I was truly handicapped. Like I couldn't, couldn't do anything. I couldn't do the thing I love. Couldn't walk or whatever. You know, you gotta obviously you take crutches everywhere, stuff like that. So for me, that you know that was adversity that I had to overcome. But that's um, adversity part two, through. right? Adversity part two. Yeah, I, I would definitely say that was the next milestone but you know adversity like i said adversity never stops you know and it's all about how you manage it and so my stepmom at the time i mean when i say one of the most pure souls probably i've ever met but like in my entire life definitely like just genuine person um she was a breast cancer survivor you know overcame that um and she used to always tell me, she's like, you know, you're going to get over this, whatever. You're going to play professional. You're going to do all this great stuff. And she used to always speak life into it and life into it. And Talk it into existence believe, type of person, huh? Absolutely. Um, always seeing the bright side of stuff. Like I said, for her um, coming so close with breast cancer, it was, um, it was definitely it was life-changing for her, you know, in that moment. And... So, so I make I make it through the process. You know, I'm going through the process. I'm probably about like halfway through my recovery, so about five months because it's about nine to ten. So I'm about five months in. Um, like I said at the time, I'm with my son's mom and stuff. So, so my skin better. Um, obviously, blessings are coming up. Um, but then, you know, going into my sophomore year, you know, it was it was basically you know life changing as far as adversity goes. Again, you know. Um, so I find out, you know, that I'm out of a child, which obviously my son today, which is Andrew Jr. And, you know, about two months later, um, my stepmom passes from breast cancer for the second time. Oh my goodness. And so, but for me, you know, obviously I'm off at school and stuff like that. So, so it's a little different, um, no, but just the right. way you talked about her right there, you know, you can tell that she's someone that has definitely made her mark on you, you know? So my condolences for that, my friend. No, I appreciate it. Like, for me, um, 
you just like I try to honor her the best I can by living the best I can. Like I said, she was somebody who who spoke life um, into existence, always, you know, put a lot of positivity, you know, life into me. So, you know, I try to do the same with other people, and I try to do the same, you know, in my environment, knowing that, you know, she would be proud of the man and the father that I am today. You know what I mean? And like I said, it's an everyday kind of thing, so I don't ever take you know, one day for granted or anything like that. I just, you know, constantly stay on that cycle because I've I've had the example set before me. Um, and I truly believe in life. We, a lot of people miss the boat on the example and how important that is in life. And I truly believe, like, if you have an example set before you, you have an obligation to do even better than that. Because a lot of people come from, from situations where it might not be the best situation or, you know, they might not have been surrounded by, you know, the right people to, to put them in the right direction. Absolutely. But, I mean, I've been blessed enough where God has placed, placed people in my life um, where I can follow suit in that direction. Maybe it's not in the same direction, but it's, it's kind of in that general area. And that kind of speaks, you know, to my son's mom. I mean, I give her all the credit in the world for the man I am today. Uh, like I said, when I, when I met her um, as a freshman, she was going into her first year of grad school and I took her as well. She played softball there. And just the standard of excellence that she lived by was remarkable to me. Um, I truly believe mastery is universal. A lot of times in life, we like to, to break things up. Amen. But the same way that a doctor is efficient and effective in surgery is the same way that a football player goes out and executes. It's the same way Floyd Mayweather, you know, gets in the ring and he executes his game plan. It's it's when you reach a certain level, it's all universal. It's all about your routine um, and a standard of excellence that you have to live by. Uh, so for me, you know, that inspired me to do, you know, ten times more than I ever planned on doing. And I know when we spoke you know, about a week ago, you know, we talked about, you know, setting standard of excellence. And you asked me, you know, you know, basically was my son at an adverse time. And I said, he, all he really did was accelerate me to be the man that God called me to be. Which I, I found was incredible. And I just got to point that out there. Even like looking back at that, I, I thought that was incredible. Because you think most, most people who have kids early on, especially us guys here, you know, usually that either that's one of the things that sets people back or, or stops them from, from accomplishing what they want to do. But you, when you told me that, my mouth kind of dropped, and I, I don't think I even said anything. I just let you keep talking, but that, that baffled me, and I, I, was, I have utmost respect for you for that. But that, that to me was incredible that you were, you were able to do that. No, and like I said, it's, I, know I, you know, I tweeted probably about two weeks ago about, you know, keeping people and things around that hold you accountable. Um, we we often really don't appreciate that enough. Um, for him, even him, you know, going to be the man that he's becoming, I know, you know, I was parent to him. You know, he did something wrong, and I corrected him probably about a month ago. And, you know, he looked at me and he said, and I asked him, I said, I said why'd you do it? And he said, because you did it. Oh, and no. what we don't realize all the time is that oh, man. somebody's always watching us. Just like, you know, how we stumbled upon each other, you were watching me. 
Um, and you never know how impactful you can be in somebody else's life by, by the way that you live. That's true. And that's why I also said, like, you show, the, you show somebody the way to a better life by being the embodiment of that better life. We need to put that quote somewhere because that that's that's something that people who are listening should should remember. That's something that uh, it's togetherness, right? Yeah, and it's it's knowing that, and also with with people, you know, that's important. It's like belief builds accountability, and you're here today with me, and I'm here today with you because we believe that this is impactful in whatever way, shape, or form. Absolutely. And that builds accountability. You get up every single day and you go after, you know, your dreams, your ambition, your purpose, because you have a certain level of belief. And that belief keeps you accountable to your actions. And also not just not just your belief, but other individuals' beliefs in you. You see it all the time in sports. Players are like, Yeah, man, I could play for that coach. It's not necessarily that coach, but it's the belief in that person, how a coach trust a player to, to do a certain job or he's going to put them in the best position possible, it allows the player to now psychologically be like, okay, well, I know I can give everything I have because this person's willing to go all in for me. And I know I said that before to you. It's like, I'm never going to ask somebody to do what I'm not willing to do 10 times over. That's such like the, and for people to put that in a relatable aspect there, you look at like the coaches who are like the Tony Dungy, the Lovey Smiths of the world, those people right there, that's the kind of coach that he's talking about that gets you to believe in that. So if that kind of radiation is coming out of there, that attraction radiation, I mean, oh my goodness, imagine what he's saying right here. Folks, listen, this is incredible. And so, like I said, for me, um, he, even still to this day, um, I mean, obviously, you know, forever, but he will inspire me to, to do that much more because uh, it's it's not about necessarily accomplishing things. It's about creating a standard of excellence, an environment of excellence. Um, and I strive to do that every single day, not just, not just for me and my family, but like I said, for the people that may need encouragement, for the people that, you know, that I don't know that are watching or whatever, because you never know. All it takes is one word, one opportunity, one lesson for somebody's life to change. Um, and I know personally that I have an obligation to people, you know what I mean, to this world to leave everything I have every single day. And especially right now, with all with everything that's ugly in the world right now, and we don't even need to go into specifics about that, but with everything ugly going on in the world, your positivity that you're, you're, you're giving back to the world right now and all of this, is even that much more remarkable. And you need to understand that, Andrea, that's incredible, the fact that you can stay resolute right now, not give in. And I'm sure I'm sure things have got people heated up all over the place. But and you've put that aside and understood that duty to bound of being that guy who can be out there spreading that love, spreading that positivity, that message of accountability. You just don't see that. And that's... At 24 years old, my friend, that puts you light years ahead uh, of the, the rest of the bunch. Yes, sir. And I, like I said before, I appreciate it. Um, you know, 10 times over coming from you, it means a lot. Um, but, you know, that accountability basically, it basically slingshotted me um, to where I'm at today because, you know, I'm, 
I mean, a lot of people, you know, they get caught up in, you know, degrees and accolades and all this stuff, and they're like, oh, this person must have been this, you know, their entire life, or must have been that. But um, it's not about that. And I tell people all the time, to be honest with you, I, I don't know where a single one of my degrees are. I have no accolades <laughs> up in my house. No, I'm serious. Like, I don't have, you know, any degrees on the wall. I don't have any accolades up or any of that stuff. Because that stuff really... It's miscellaneous. I've never actually went to a single graduation of mine because it's not about that. And I told one of my friends, I said, it's not about, you know, accolades. It's not about this or that. Because if you want me to be completely honest with you, um, yeah, my name might be on that degree, whether it's senior or whatever, doctor, or, you know, my name might be on the back of the jersey. But it's so many people that have set an example, so many people that have invested time into me um, they always say a king is only as wise as, as his counsel, and I try to stick to that. You know, it's so many people that have invested in me that got me to that point. And really, it's not about, you know, accomplishing stuff, but it's about creating opportunity, whether it's for you or somebody else or whatever. And this, like I said, this platform for both of us right now is creating opportunities for others. Um, and that's truly what's important is just your perspective on life. There's no joke on that, and that's that's why – and. and and even when I reached out to you, I had no idea that the story would be this involved the way it is. And we still, we still have so much more to go. But uh, it's, and that's why we had to split this into a two-parter here, so that way we could fit it all in. Um, otherwise, we'd probably have a 120-minute episode here. Um, uh, no joke. But, and it's, it's quality content, and that's why we're taking our time with this. And it may seem like, okay... We're talking a lot about a bunch here. We might have missed there, but no, it's all going to coincide with each other uh, once we get to the second episode here. Before you become the legendary Dr. Andrew Roach Sr. You've been listening to The Longest Road with Josh Williams on podcast by Federated Media. If you'd like to recommend a guest, find the contact us link in the description and let us know. Until next time, thank you for listening, and I'll see you down the longest road. Podcasts by Federated Media. Podcasts by Federated Media.